Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com str. somehow ended up listening to the stuff that's real that you didn't know was real but also is cool podcast or sturdy dick were bayek or uh never mind that's right everyone you are listening to the stuff that's real podcast with your gracious and loving co-hosts Nicholas Ryan Thacker, that's me, and uh, J. Kevin, Doctor, Master Tumlinson, Esquire the Third. Is that am I close? You're very close. Very close. You're, you're missing a few of the uh, of the of the initials and acronyms, and missing some superlatives in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> I actually do know um, a PhD. Did I ever have I ever told you about this? Of course, you've told me about that. Yeah. Oh, Every right. time I try to intro you on one of our many podcasts we've done together, I think. You're oh, like, we well, did. <laughs> that sounds Esquire, like me. Comma PhD. That does sound like me. Oh yeah. man. Well, what better co-host could you possibly have, listener, than someone with uh, many superlatives in their names, such as us? Uh, we are going to jump right in today. We've got some pretty ex- well. I'm assuming pretty exciting. I have. Listen, you guys are listening to this show. Tuning in every week. I love you for that. Um, here's here's a little behind the scenes how the how the sausage is made for you. Um, neither one of us know the story that the other guy is going to say before we say it, before we talk about it, which is really cool. It also opens us up to many possibilities of uh, picking the same story every week. So consider it uh, serendipitous. Yet. Yeah, consider yeah. it serendipitous that that has not happened in a whopping six or seven episodes now that we that we're into it. But I'd say it's bound to happen at some point. One of these days, <laughs> I'm going to show up without a story and let you go first. And I'm just going to cut my story that was in exactly half. Exactly the story that I that I picked. That's so weird. I'm going to just cut my story in half. I'll say the first story is about Fermi, the the scientist, and the second story is about things called paradoxes. <laughs> <laughs> I can talk about paradoxes. Exactly, paradise, uh, paradises. <laughs> you're right. You yeah. could. Um, are you going to talk about that today, or you got something else for us? <clears throat> got something, something else, um, which could be, which could fall, I guess, under, in some ways, could fall under the heading of paradox, because it it, it involves scientists who are behaving like complete Neanderthals, uh, mm-hmm. to pull in terminology currently in use in the uh, by the president of our these United States. Um, so this is uh, this is this, the story of the Demon Corps, uh, which also just happens to be the name of my current work in progress in the, the Dan Kotler series. So it is, in, in fact, um, based in part on this. So you ready? You ready for the story? I've um, never been more ready in my life. <laughs> tell me, tell the, me a story. So the Demon Core is uh, is actually it's a uh, a fourteen pound three point five inch sphere of uh, plutonium and silver and nickel. Um, it is basically it is the third core for a third 
atomic bomb that would have been dropped on uh, Japan, but they they did not uh, because, as it turns out, dropping two atomic bombs on Japan turned out to be plenty. Um, so they they did not uh, use this core. But what ended up happening with it was that it was sent to Los Alamos, uh, the the secret base at the time that was um, mostly at, at this point in history. Los Alamos was where a whole bunch of physicists and scientists and military personnel were w- kind of working on next generation technology for the military. Um, mm-hmm. This is there's a lot of controversy that surrounds this because there were a lot of ex Nazis and ex Nazi scientists uh, at yeah, Operation Paperclip. Paperclip was one yep. one mm-hmm. operation, and that well, Paperclip was sort of the operation that brought these scientists to uh, to Los gotcha. Alamos, and uh, the core, these, this core, along with its brethren, uh, uh, Fat Man and Little Boy, uh, which were the mm-hmm. bombs that were dropped on um, on Japan. So uh, these were all part; they were all the result of the Manhattan Project, where they were trying to make. Uh, fissionable cores uh, that would be that would become atomic bombs. So the interesting thing about the Demon Core is how it got its name, and this is why this is part in part why I included it in the uh, the current book. But uh, back in like 1945, starting in 1945, there were these two scientists who were working with the Demon Core, and what they would do essentially is the whole way to study uh, how this thing works and you know what what could be done with it was to essentially bring it as close to a, uh, a chain, react, chain reaction as possible, okay? So what they wanted to do is get very close to a neutron burst, um, which is the most radioactive thing about one of these bombs. You know, when the when you see the footage of an atomic bomb go off in the whole mushroom cloud and everything, that's not really the dangerous part. Uh, the part happened well before that, when there was a neutron reaction and this literal blue pulse of light erupts, and your life is over before your body even realizes it's dead. Um, so what? Where the core got its name was not from where you might think, because after seeing a couple of these guys blow up most of Japan, or a big chunk of Japan, uh, and irradiate it for all time, um, this core was brought back to the United States and taken to Los Alamos to be experimented on, and two scientists in particular worked with it. Uh, let me grab their names real quick. So the first was Harry Doglin, Doglian, uh, and the second was Louis Sloten. Um, and both of them became famous in the worst possible way. So basically, <laughs> um, Harry was working with the, uh, the core and was experimenting on it. And what he did was he built a sort of, uh, he used these beryllium bricks to build a kind of almost like a fire pit around the core. Um, yeah. now the core, as I said, it, it was a sphere. It's like a little, it's like a lawn bowling ball. A lawn mm-hmm. bowling ball, like a bocce like ball, something like, like that. a bocce yeah. ball. You know, it's it was uh, three and a half inches in diameter, and it was it weighs about fourteen pounds. It's actually not radioactive to the touch. You could pick it up, hold it in your hand. What you would want to do afterwards is thoroughly wash your hands because plutonium outside the body not so bad, plutonium inside the body very very bad. Um, yeah. yeah. So, but the way it was always described was it was kind of warm to the touch, you know? So clearly these guys are handling this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no radiation suits, nothing like that. So uh, Harry 
was experimenting with a, a sort of, uh, uh, he had built basically a chamber of beryllium bricks. And the way he controlled the experiment was there was one brick missing. So there was a gap. As long as there was a gap, you couldn't have the critical mass buildup. Okay. So what's happening is beryllium is, is reflecting the radiation back onto the core and it's sort of a self-feeding loop. And eventually, if it's all enclosed, it'll reach critical mass, and that is the neutron pulse. Uh, mm -hmm. And that is facilitated by uh, an implosion uh, in the bomb, an implosion uh, design device to, to basically force all that, that energy back into the core and create that chain reaction. But um, for experiments, they were doing it by bouncing it around with beryllium. Well, what ended up happening with Harry was he dropped one of the bricks and it accidentally <laughs> fell perfectly to close the gap. And it, all it took was that because the ch the reaction was constantly building up to the point where it would you know, release, um, as soon as that brick closed the gap, it released. And so you had a bright blue flash. And um, not only was Harry uh, impacted by this, but the security guard in the next room was hit by this. And both of them ended up having to be rushed to uh, the emergency room uh, and both died horrible, horrible deaths. Uh, basically, oh, as soon as Harry saw that brick fall, he reached out. I mean, the instant it fell, he reached out and grabbed it. That hand, within the hour, all of the skin was burned off of it, falling oh. off his hand. Uh, he he su suffered severe burns all over his body. And I believe that the security guard may have only died from... Uh, the exposure i think he had leukemia okay. uh but i don't recall exactly but you know, i think that's right i think he was close enough that he got a lethal dose of radiation but basically died from like leukemia um yeah that's fun times you know uh because you're, you're you're a security guard at a yeah uh, i mean you're, yeah, you're military, like, yeah. <laughs> but all you're supposed to be doing is reading your mad magazine and kicking your feet up on the desk and making sure no yahoos come in to interrupt right. the scientists who are doing what what are is supposed to be the real work, right? Right. Uh, so <laughs> fast forward nine months. This is where the story to me takes the turn for the wonderfully stupid. Um, mm. So in nine months, we're back with the core. This time, uh, it's with Dr. Lewis Sloten, who has devised the same sort of um, shell that would have been used in, in the bomb itself. So it's two halves. Think of two coconut shells, okay? Okay. Uh, one on top of the other, clamped together, and inside of that would be the core. Now, you would use all kinds of things to make sure that those two, two halves don't come, don't close. Right. So uh, one you of the options, you, would, you, you should, right? You'd, you'd try. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Uh, Stick a finger of, in there to keep them apart, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you've heard of uh, Richard Feynman, right? Dr. Uh -huh. Feynman, yeah, of course. Yep. Okay, uh, notorious prankster. He referred to um, all experiments with the demon with this core before it was known as the demon core um, as tickling the dragon's tail. Mm. He was pretty certain mm -hmm. people were going to die before <laughs> uh, Harry even died. Okay. So um, that's how dangerous this thing was. It was known to be this dangerous. So Sloten sure. um, is experimenting with it. Sloten's a cowboy, okay? He wears blue jeans, T-shirts. 
You know, he's cocksure. Oh, not just by attitude alone. I mean, he's he's, he's a cowboy. A, cowboy. He, he is living that. I don't I don't know his origin. <laughs> haven't looked that closely into him, but that's his style, right? Jeans, t-shirt, and an attitude. And uh, what he decides to do is take these two spheres, um, and he likes to run his experiments by hand and screwdriver. So basically, oh, what he's yeah. got is the top shell, the sphere is in, in the bottom shell, the top <laughs> shell he lowers by hand and then uses a small flat-headed screwdriver to create a tiny gap so that there can never be a full chain reaction. And he does this experiment hundreds, maybe even thousands of times. Okay? Um, Bound to happen. And he's got <laughs> a group of scientists with him in the room, and there's about 15 of them. And he's doing the experiment just like he always has. And a casual slip of the screwdriver closes mm -hmm. that gap. Boom. And there's an instant blue flash. And he immediately reach out, reaches out and removes the beryllium uh, cup. And, uh, of course, he is already dead. I mean, you know, he's breathing, but he's dead. I mean, he's walking dead. Yeah, he's walking dead. The guy who was just casually looking over his shoulder went blind in the eye that was that was <laughs> oh, exposed. Uh, he had a lower dose of radiation because he was it was blocked by uh, Sloten's body, so he survives. Every single scientist except Sloten survived, uh, though many of them died years later from various health conditions that we we now know were traced back to that exposure. One sure. of them died in the Korean War a year or so later, I believe. Uh, I don't wow. know how, actually uh, timing on that. I may be wrong in the timing, but he died in the Korean War. So. The moral of the story was not only uh, was Feynman right about tickling the dragon's tail on this, uh, but, you know, scientists can also be cocky and not quite uh, playing their A game. But the, <laughs> it, the end result was uh, the Demon Corps was named the Demon Corps, first of all, um, and was deemed too dangerous to keep around. And so they uh, they took it away, carted it away to be melted down and re-added to the nation's plutonium reserves. So, so it no longer exists, gone. supposedly. Supposedly. They turned it into Jumanji. <laughs> so somewhere there's this 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 heartbeat sound that kids are going to dig up. And uh, <laughs> well, that is the more or less premise of my book. I'll just spoil that much because it is revealed in the preface of the book that the, the Demon Corps did actually survive. So... Mm. Um, Right. And then everything from there, you'll have to read to find out. But but uh, that's it. That is uh, a pretty typical example, by the way, of, of the kind of thing that I stumble across and decide to make into a novel. Like I was just casually cruising YouTube one day and uh, saw a video entitled uh, something along the lines of whatever happened to the Demon Corps. Mm. Uh, and I was intrigued by the very notion of that and started kind of watched that video and did a little bit of research and uh, did quite a bit of research actually. And now, um, it, you know, I know that that happened that it's, a, that one's stunning to me though. Like that, that one is the death of several people because somebody was a moron. <laughs> yes. Somebody who should exactly. not have been a moron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I was just trying to find the book. Um, uh, so it reminded me, there's a book by my favorite author. I'm going to talk about James Rollins in, in a minute in my story. Um, but he also wrote a book called The Demon Crown. And I was, I couldn't, I know I've read it before, but like most things yeah. I've done in the past, I've completely forgotten. 
Um, it's actually not about that, but I thought it just rang a bell when you said that, uh, Demon Core. And I thought, well, man, maybe that's maybe he wrote it about that, but he did not. Um, you know what I didn't so, do as part of my research was I never have looked to see if anyone else has written a book on the subject or even called the Demon Core. But I guess I probably should have done that. <laughs> I guess you should have done that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. So, man, that um, in in the realm of scary and um, and creepy, um, maybe that's the theme of the day. I guess yours your theme was more kind of here's some stupid facts of history, um, <laughs> or here's some here's some stupidity throughout history. Here's some here's some colossal stupidity from colossal history. Stupidity. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find the I can't find the book that I just finished reading it and it's like it's missing on his um, on his author page. But I'm I'm going through James Rollins' author page. Um, this this book I just read on my last trip to the mainland to get my dogs. Um, it's by my favorite favorite uh, the guy that got me into writing fiction I should say James Rollins. He yeah. writes action adventure stuff just like we do. Um, but he wrote a book and dang it, I'm going to, I'm going to find it and I'll link to it. I just can't remember the name of it. It was Is either, it, it wasn't the seventh newest play. One it was too old. No, he's it's, I think it's the, th- the third newest one that he's got. And for some reason it's not showing up right here. Crucible. Um, it's not crucible. Okay. I don't think it's crucible. No, right. it's not crucible. That's the one that's what I'm reading right now. It's so it must be number 13, which would be the demon crown. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. That is yes, yeah. yes. That that's the one. Okay, so um, this is not about the demon core, but this is about the subject of my nightmares, the murder hornet. Um, <laughs> actually, you know, I it's not the subject of my nightmares. I have no problem with wasps, with bees. Um, I do know people who are terrified of them, and for good reason. They're pretty scary things. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the murder hornet because um, it is both real. Uh, and large, and does in fact kill large mammals, uh, has been known to do that. Um, and also, like most things that have been spun through the American uh, media system, uh, it is completely blown out of proportion. So, this is a stuff that's cool and that is also real um, episode about murder hornets. Um, these guys are actually the Japanese giant hornet, is what they're. They're kind of no that that's what they were before our media system um, decided decided to kick it into high gear and scare the crap out of us by calling them murder hornets um, because it turns out they they only kill I think they kill like between thirty and forty people a year in Japan um, but the vast majority of those deaths are related to them being allergic to they would have died from a from a bee sting you know that that kind of stuff it's not right. because they have this high level of anaphylactic, you know, uh, there's not a bunch of venom and poison and all that stuff in these things. They're just larger versions of regular wasps basically, but they are pretty large. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, uh, the, the Vespa mandarin, mandarinia, mandarinia, uh, is pretty common. It's in Asia. So it's not just, um, just Japan, but I, I have heard them called the giant hornet or, um, sparrow wasp. Some people call them that. Yeah. Um, but I've most recently heard them called, Excuse me, the giant, uh, giant Jap- Japanese giant hornet. The Asian um, giant hornet. Asian giant hornet is another word from yeah. yeah, same thing. So they're they're pretty yeah, large. Yeah, they do they call big, it Japanese giant hornet. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's why I've seen that one too. But I think it's all the same thing. Um, pretty distinctive looking though. They're orange and black, so they have this kind of yellow jacket sort of look, but a big orange head. Yeah. Um, and here's here's what I think is really, I don't want to say neat about them. I, it is neat. You know, I'm not an entomologist, but I think this is what the entomologists really like about these guys. 
Um, so it seems like the, everyone in the Wasp family is smart. Um, not individually, but these guys are hive mind sort of creatures, but also can do some damage individually. Um, so they're pretty social, right? They'll they'll defend their nest. Um, if, uh, if if you go near them and start aggravating them and stuff, they're going to defend themselves. Um, but like other wasps, and this is why I, I, I hate the idea that we turned them into this murder hornet thing. They're not going to do anything to, to you if you just walk up to one and say hello, offered a glass of water. Um, <laughs> I... I was reading uh, James Rollins. Uh, it was the Demon Crown, and uh, and he he's done something really cool with with these. It's not the exact Hornet, I don't think. Yeah. I know it's not because he he actually there's and it's spoiler is he finds he has his characters find these things in a cave, sort of Jurassic Park style, like in you know embedded in some sap or something, um, and they basically reincarnate them, and they create this super strain of wasps. So if you're, if you're afraid of wasps, this is probably not the book to read, but uh, there's just a lot of similarities between the guys that uh, Jim was talking about in his book and, uh, and these giant murder hornet things. Um, arguably though, pretty terrifying. They're pretty yeah. big, uh, about the size of a human fist, I think can, can be that long, that big. Yeah. Maybe not quite that big, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're larger than any hornet I've ever seen for sure. Um, and of course, why we know about them and why we're talking about them is they found a nest somewhere, I think, Vancouver or Washington in late 2019. Um, and then, of course, 2020 was filled with f- fears of pandemic and uh, and murder hornets stealing yeah. our babies. Um, <laughs> so if, much if anyone so was alive way, in 2020, <laughs> you remember that. We, there was so much of that, by the way, that that virtually everyone ignored the fact that there were that there was a release of actual verified footage of UFOs from the US government that's mm, how that's right I, that was all of that <laughs> so yes I, so almost to the point of where so they say that a couple queens um, queens from these colonies snuck into uh, some some freight or something and, and were shipped over and then they you know being queens of a hive mind they started another hive and that's yeah. how we got these murder hornets into the states but it all sounds like a conspiracy theory to me where the government maybe said, hey, we're going to release this stuff that we've been kind of coerced into releasing about the UFOs. So we need some kind of distraction. How about this murder hornet? Um, yeah, I think that's kind of most likely what happened. But that that gets a little into the the writing, the fiction that, that you and I tend to do. <laughs> these things are freaking scary, though, because they're not only they're huge and and just intimidating. Right. But intimidating. They, that's a good word for them. Yeah. They don't even it's not even that it's not just that they can sting you. They actually have the ability to spray venom into your eyes. Oh, wonderful. That's a really pleasant um, addition <laughs> to this murder hornet. <laughs> Isn't that fun? That's, that is fun. That's my proof that nature earnestly and genuinely is just out to kill us all is really all that's about. Like, you know, my you know, my thing about oceans. Like, I, I do know your thing about oceans. I don't want to go in the ocean. Because everything in the ocean is trying to kill me, but yes, it may I be think small, the same is probably but... true of everything else. <laughs> that's that's fair. I think so too. I mean, if you've seen the the crappening that that old um, M Night Shyamalan movie, yeah, um, you know the trees themselves are trying to kill us all. Um, it's just it's just the circle of life, Kevin. I never saw that movie, but I I, I kind of got the ju- I, I don't, I don't know why I didn't out, see it. Yeah, it, that's it, the whole thing. It's they set it up as like, whoa, what if it's the trees from like minute one, 
And then you get to the end, and he goes, "Yeah, it's basically the trees." The like, trees. Damn it! That's there's nothing. There's no twist. There's no. I mean. So is it like they're they're releasing pollen that's meant to? It's something like it's, it's, that's the thing. There's no real scientific. From what I remember, there's no like scientific. That's that's what makes movies like that good or books like that. You know, when I try to write something, I'm like, well, let's give it some scientific bent, even even though it's fiction. Like, let's yeah. let's make up some science that explains it at least. Uh, M Night Shyamalan. I mean, you know, he's a horror uh, director and, and writer, and so he he he's going more toward let's just give you the heebie-jeebies rather than explain it away yeah. um, and, and make it sound real. Anyway, this isn't about. Mr. Shyamalan, he's a he's a good guy making good movies. This is about the terrifying spray you in the eyeball murder hornet that wants to kill you. Um, but the truth of the matter is, it just it, these aren't these aren't killing a lot of people. Uh, the article that I'm going to link to is um, theconversation.com, and uh, it's it's pretty good. It's basically five five facts about the murder hornet. Um, and right. one of them in here it says, yeah, look, it, it's killed fewer than 13 people in 2017 and 2018 in Japan specifically, so po- possibly more. But that's less than 0.00001% of the national population. Um, and so this is one of those things where, yeah, if, if you're allergic to bee and wasp stings, don't get close to the murder hornet. It could kill you. I think it, um, as a general not, rule, just don't get close to the murder hornet. That's, that's just it. I mean, unless you're an entomologist and or you got a thing for you know living life on the dangerous and weird side, don't be walking up to murder hornet nests. They're on the ground. They look like termite nests. Um, I guess they don't have to be on the ground, but... it. You know the picture here. It looks like there's a there's a murder hornet nest on the ground. Yeah. The um, our only ally against the murder hornet is is a parasite that prevents them from being able to reproduce. So we got that going for us. Well, you know, knowing <laughs> uh, knowing the way nature tends to run its course, I imagine that the wasp will uh, at some point learn how to evolve something to to be all of a sudden asexual and reproduce on its own and not have to be part of a hive and then <laughs> we'll have equally as many murder hornets running around but they won't require the use of keep, a queen keep hope alive <laughs> Nick. yeah they'll, uh, they'll, alive. they'll have like their own brain and, and and they'll be able to run around and kill people uh, without needing to check back in with mom yeah uh, th- there's this other thing that I wanted to point out too um <clears throat> Man, uh, this is really cool. I, you know, of course, right now in 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 twenty twenty one society, we love bees. Everybody's a, a huge bee fan. Yeah, I saw this meme. Um, my wife and I were laughing about where, you know, it was like when I was a kid, when I was like in middle school, everyone was like, "Oh, gross, a bee, kill it," you know. And then now it's like, "Hey, bee, are you okay? Would you need anything? Can I get you some water?" <laughs> everyone's into bees right now, right? And and yeah. for good reason. They do a lot of good stuff. They also can kill murder hornets. Yeah. Um, there's a video here that uh, they so they literally cook the wasp. It's really cool. They they envelop them with bees. Yep. So the the, the hornet comes into the nest and then the the, the bees immediately surround them um, completely. They mob it and then every single one of the honeybees vibrates its wings so fast that the warming effect can yep. raise the temperature in the cluster in the center where the hornet is to 122 degrees Fahrenheit. I guess that's a very specific number. They must have tested it. Uh, which of course kills it, and there's carbon dioxide levels that increase. I mean, this just is an amazing and terrifying. I mean, honestly, I kind of feel for the hornet in this one. Um, what a horrible way to go—to just be slowly cooked by buzzing, <laughs> yeah, by buzzing bees around you. Um, but you know what? Hey, screw you, uh, hornet, for trying to kill bees because we're we're into bees right now. Yeah, bees are a good thing. But bees. isn't it 
amazing though. That's pretty cool. Um, it is really cool that, that they yeah. kind of evolved the way to, you know, let's figure this out. How do we protect ourselves from the Hornet? Yeah. Yeah. Which is also interesting that cause it's North American bees, um, that, that can do that. Well, I guess J- Japanese bees do that as well, but North American bees already know. This is what's interesting to me. The North American bees already have this behavior and maybe it's just a trigger based on wasps in general. Right, right, maybe. Uh, but the fact that it's already there through, from, uh, you know, bees that have been separated from Japanese bees, you know, there's right, no contact right. between them. So, how, you know, how is that instinct passed on? At least that we don't know. I mean, maybe there's a whole, like, bee net or something that... that there could you be. Know, uh, secret internet or something. Yeah, I've been rereading... Like this. <laughs> yeah, I've been rereading the uh, the Ender Quartet, you know, Orson Scott Carter's yeah, uh-huh. books, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the the Formics or, or Buggers as they were originally called, but the, uh, right. the Formics have that. It, generally, we we think that insects communicate through scent uh, and also through vibration. Uh, we I know that wasps, red wasps in particular, nasty little fuckers, by the way, um, will if they're pissed off, they call more wasps their location mm, mm-hmm. by planting themselves and vibrating their wings rapidly that's so, how i communicate most of the time as well too that care i'm talking to kara right now um, i just sit here and vibrate until somebody comes and asks me if i'm okay <laughs> <laughs> it's worked every time so far so there's a there is a theory uh, in in the ender books uh they they communicate uh, through what they call the philotic network uh, but uh there is a theory that that there's something similar for insects of a kind uh on earth right now like you know bees in particular you know might be able to communicate with each other hives can communicate with hives and that sort of thing through means we haven't yet discovered uh so pretty interesting stuff actually yeah, could go no, off on a whole stuff. tangent on cool that <laughs> i you know one of these i mean the whole idea of a hive mind um you know it, it's definitely been in the realm of sci-fi so far but but it's it, it exists in the real world as well and so i i'm fascinated by the whole concept of using pheromones and and vibrations and you know all kinds of stuff like that to communicate um and and not just to communicate like hey this person over here is vibrating let's go check out what our friend's doing but like actually communicating a specific thing like all these bees know what task they're supposed to accomplish that day yeah um sure that's built into their to their genetic you know wiring and all that but there's more to it than that and that's what i think is fascinating about the idea of a hive mind and one of these days i'll tackle it in fiction but um I haven't I haven't done enough research into it. Read yet. a book called The Intention Experiment, which is um, a really interesting science-based look at phenomenon like psychic activity and um, uh, precognition and you know remote healing and stuff like that. Uh, it actually cites a, quite a few actual scientific studies um, performed over the past you know couple hundred years really so but there isn't an idea in there about um basically radiation as a transmission tool for certain psychic phenomenon oh nice right or electromagnetic frequency and things like that i'll I'll link to that no that's good stuff yes i've got the links here in the show notes ready to go so everyone who wants to dive into the terrifying world of the murder hornets and the demon core uh, can do so with one simple click of fate, uh, and uh, and then <laughs> come back. Don't, don't tell us we didn't warn you. <laughs> we should just combine those two ideas, 
and have the, you know the demon hornet, which is demon hornet, <laughs> a radioactive hornet the size of a human fist, who or the hornet core. <laughs> with, instead of venom, he attacks you with a neutron blast, the blue light, <laughs> the, the hornet blind. core, the hornet core. Uh, well, there you go. Well, that's the that's the episode title this week is the hornet core. Um, so <laughs> definitely check in for that. And hey, if you're listening to this and you've got an idea for uh, something you want us to cover or talk about or be terrified of or be fascinated by, uh, we want to know about it. Um, while we have researched just about everything this world has ever known, uh, <laughs> kidding, um, there's probably something we're missing. So uh, you can reach out to us, go to stuffthatsreal.com. Um, you can drop a line there um, and of course subscribe and share all these and just generally be our babe, our, our favorite uh, bestest fans. Um we will be back at you next week with uh, some some more cool stuff that's real, uh, stuff that's cool, stuff that's real, that but also is cool. I don't even know anymore. It's I just don't care. It's stuff cool that's real. real that you didn't know was real, but is but, but also, also is, cool. is cool. Thank you. I was thinking. I, I keep <laughs> forgetting the parenthetical am, am, amendment in there. That's but, uh, because you named this thing, and like all Nick Thacker projects, it has to start ridiculous and then get has, <laughs> a down. The, the ridiculous. That's a marketing. That's the ridiculousness as well. That's, these guys are ridiculous. I'm going to listen to what they have to say, and then they they come out going, "I feel enlightened and greatly uh, knowledgeably enhanced." I know twice as much about murder hornets <laughs> as I did when I came here. <laughs> <laughs> zero times zero. <laughs> zero times two is still zero. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, we'll be with you again next week. Check in on Fridays, and uh, we will um, have more stuff that's real. And until then, we are your loving and gracious hosts. Take care, everyone. Stuff that's real. Looking for a great new thriller? Check out Conundrum Publishing. We publish books that make you think. From mind-bending thrillers to heart-wrenching dramatic action-adventure novels, our books will keep you up all night, turning the pages eager to find out what happens next. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to conundrumpub.com str for three totally free thrillers. You won't be disappointed. Again, three full-length action thrillers totally free at conundrumpub.com slash str.